0: Madison's Alternative 1067 the Resistance this week on the Disruptor series I'm joined by Jesse and Sebastian from Death from Above 1979. Hello. Hi. First off. Hi. Is there a 1979 now or not?
1: Yeah, it's back on.
0: Okay. <laughs> is that retroactive?
1: <laughs> there's kind of no avo- There's no. no avoiding it like uh it's there's in no, everything. There's no standard. It was already
2: yeah. Conceptually, I feel like it was more fun like to ditch it, to go back to like the OG, and then uh, make a dance punk record and then put it back on. I thought that was a good move, you know?
0: This time you guys produced the new album yourselves. Have mm-hmm. you guys done the production before?
2: I would say that we kind of produced our first uh, records, if you could call them produced. <laughs> I mean, they were, yeah. I mean, we were, uh, they were engineered by our friend al p um and he i would say i mean he was the most skilled engineer out of all of us he knew what he was doing he'd worked in good you know great studios and uh and we'd known him for a long time so you know technically i think he was our producer i don't know jesse what do you say
1: i would say yeah but it was more like his job was just to capture what we were doing because we there was no precedent for us we didn't know how we didn't really know how to record our band
0: so, how did you guys decide to produce this yourselves and be more of the more in control of your own sound? It's something we, that we yeah.
1: we wanted to do, and like for a long time. And then we would talk about every time we'd make a record. As soon as it was done, we would say to each other, "We're going to make the next one ourselves. Yeah, we can do it. We can do it." Um, and then we didn't but it was partially because uh the record label that we were with offered us enough money to be able to go work with these huge producers that we had sort of fantasized about working with or even tried to borrow from in our own work before we had worked with them and like sebastian has been saying you know other people go to school and they end up with a big bill afterwards but that's where they go get their education. Seb and I didn't really go to school, but we created the debt with the record label and we got our education in how to make records that way. And it probably ended up costing about the same. Although there's recoupment, which I don't know that there is in in a college admission, but we'd learned so much. And I know that some people go in the studio with producers and they're just sort of like, sitting there being rock stars, I guess. And just like, tell me what to do. I've got a call to make, but we're just, we've been there just soaking up everything we could like sponges, like anything happened that was sounded good. I remember asking like, what did you just do? Like how, how, let me see. I want to, I want to see this whole signal path. I want to understand because this is what fascinates us the most. So then just deciding to we're grown ups. if we haven't figured it out by now, um also we've
2: done it before we just have never done it with yeah. our band Like we both made a bunch of records for other projects or you know other people and uh it's just strange that we never turned that power onto ourselves until now very powerful feeling and i don't think we could have done it ourselves until now really i think that the our roles in the band are i think i think they're better defined and the way we both feel about the band is is pretty balanced right now and uh but i think also there was there was some label pressure you know we we had a, a great a&r guy at warner uh who we really respected and in retrospect like they didn't really give us a chance to do it ourselves like we started making it and then they came and listened to it they're like i don't think you got a record here fellas and then you know we booked in <laughs> with with uh eric valentine but you know if we were given another 6 months or so i think we would have we would have made something cool in the last record, but I wouldn't have traded the experience of working with Eric for anything. It's incredible.
0: So you still feel like a rock star no, when be. you are doing everything. I have I never felt like, a rock yeah, for, I don't think for I a think,
2: moment, Yeah. Even when we do like meet, meet and greet, <laughs> uh, meet and greet things, radio things or whatever, I always feel like these people are paid or they want a contest. It's like, it could have been a jar of peanuts, but it was like an autograph session with the death row above 1979, you know? So, I don't think either one of us really indulges too hard down that path.
0: There's references from some of your other interviews that this new album is for lovers that comes out March 26th is all about love. There's a lot of love songs on it. Can you talk more about that?
2: Yeah, I think it, I mean, it's, it's a recurring theme. I wouldn't say that every song, you know, is a love song, but the statement in one plus one love is action that's my my belief. You know, I don't I don't think that love is a is a word or um, a feeling even. It's it's something that you do in service or it's it's things that you do in service to other people. It's being in service to other people. And you know, you could argue that this band, you know, I couldn't have done it without love, you know, taking we, we recorded in a room for five weeks together, made a bunch of music that we loved, and then I took that music away for six, eight, nine months, and wrote songs that I loved. And I couldn't have worked that hard on, on, on this record unless I loved it. You know? So it's like we were talking about this yesterday. I don't think I could replicate my method of making this kind of record with another band unless I really loved them. You know. Yeah. So the whole process was imbued with that sense. And then you know, there's straight up love songs on the record. There's 1 plus 1. There's love letter and there's that theme. It reemerges all through the record. I think it's an important one.
0: I really like how you talk about the meaning behind some of these songs, because when you listen the first time, you definitely don't go, Oh, so sweet. <laughs> oh,
2: that's our, that's our band. That's the bait and switch of our band.
0: Yeah. You, know? that's, it's, you have to like really pay attention to it. And I love that about your guys' music. It was I'm just, glad
1: it's not lost. Oh <laughs> yeah. It's good to hear it's not lost.
0: It was just announced that you guys will be at the Life is Beautiful Festival in Vegas. Billie Eilish, Green Day, and more will be there as well. You guys must be excited to get back on stage.
1: It feels it surreal. Is, it yeah, really it's feels very abstract. very surreal. Like, I remember playing, but it's been so long. when You haven't kissed anyone for a long time. It's like, in theory, you know how to do it, but you're not... You know, like the memory is strange. It's, it's, it's all mixed up and that's kind of how I feel about it. I'm like, well, I, we, should I hope just, I remember we should just, kiss how.
2: On, we should just, we should just kiss on stage for 45 minutes.
1: That would probably
2: be as good as a show. will play. It would <laughs> get, definitely get more, more people talking.
1: Would I get as sweaty as the question? <laughs>
2: <laughs> Hell yeah. Um, you know, we're, we're doing a, we're doing this uh, recording session next week for a, uh, Uh, I don't know if I can even say what it is, but it's a, you know, a high profile British broadcasting corporation. (laughs) Um, And we, I haven't played, I literally haven't played drums in over a year, which is insane. Yeah. Because we finished the record. uh, I still had the studio, I guess maybe under a year, but it's been at least since the summer, you know, July maybe is when I shut the studio down. And then moved back to Canada. So it's been a while.
0: Wow. Um, what is Canada like right now? Are you guys opening back up?
2: Uh, we both live in the boonies. So it's, you know, aside from uh, the, uh, you know, some, some courtesy masks, there's not a lot of feeling of pandemic up here. So Oh, nice. Yeah.
0: We're, you know, a little slower than you guys down here.
2: I mean, it depends where some people are going full out and other people are taking their time but it's
1: all good where i live is about as populated as like the northern michigan peninsula like there's there's nobody here so i, I would I, to get within six feet of someone would be a lot of work <laughs> like i have to You're i have out to of your way. I, ab- I absolutely have to drive for a couple miles to get within six feet of somebody and then you have to chase them
0: the new music video did you guys have to record that during quarantine did you guys have to do extra steps for that
2: uh i mean we did record it in quarantine um but the extra steps not really because we did it with my wife who's shot a bunch of videos for us and made a film about us and is a you know has made a, a bunch of amazing music videos so we just she had a concept Uh, We trusted her and we just basically it was the three of us got together and made it. So the label probably would have liked there to have been some representation there. We're like, no, COVID, stay away. (laughs) So we used it more as an excuse to just do our own thing again. Have a nice dinner. Make a a music video. Make a cool music video.
0: And Rebel at the same time.
2: I guess so. (laughs)
0: <laughs> just, well, just fighting to be
1: fighting to be left alone. Is that basically, yeah, that, is, that can be rebellious. Yeah,
2: that's that's this is 40. You know, that's the <laughs> men, m- men in their 40s just moving where they have to drive and chase to see people. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I'm actually house hunting right now. Do you guys have any advice for me?
2: Where are you house hunting? What What kind of areas? Madison? Yeah,
0: the Madison, Wisconsin area. I don't need to be able to walk places. So I am well, like 45 minutes
2: all the way around. Amazing. I don't think you'll have a problem. It's like uh, my friends, I, I was in LA for eight years and uh, we moved back here. We looked at 20 houses and then found our house that we, we just bought. But my friends back in LA who are trying to buy houses, there's about 20 bids on each house that they look at and they go for hundreds and hundreds of thousands of dollars over asking. So Yeah, I don't regret (laughs) moving back to somewhere reasonable.
0: (laughs) Yeah, we've heard that uh, most of the houses I've looked at so far have had 40 to 50 offers on them within days. Wow. Wow.
1: Well, the thing where I live, all the properties doubled in value over COVID time because all the city people decided they needed to get out and suddenly would pay anything. Like places that used to be for sale for nine months or a year or whatever, we're selling in a day, like the sign would go up and then the sign would go down the next day. Um, Multiple offers, which is really something that never happens way out. Like I'm in the sticks. Like right now I can only go about two miles an hour on my road because it looks like it was raining 10 pin bowling balls. Like the road is so bad when the snow melts. But, uh, but yet, yeah, they suddenly everyone wants to show up. It's a very, very interesting landscape. But you know what I think is cool about, I've been meaning to say this some, whenever when anyone asks us about COVID. The thing that is really cool is that one of my oldest friends, oldest, closest friends has been handicapped for 20 years. And a big issue for them is that not being able to work because they're like, oh, you got to come into work. You have to come into work. And now there's this new precedent that people could stay home and work from home. And actually, you know, access there, he gets to use his brain. And that uh, is super positive for them. Oh, you guys can work from home? Great. We've been asking for this for decades. You know, like, I want to work. So uh, that much is really cool.
0: I just uh,
1: just jammed that into this interview.
0: (laughs) (laughs) There's been some surveys that, like, up to a third of people would quit if they have to go back into the office instead of working from home wow. when this is all over
2: that few, huh? Hey? <laughs> <Yeah.
0: laughs> everybody's about to have to put real pants on again.
1: You know what? <laughs> That's such a good <laughs> way <to> describe it. <laughs> I'm in bed, but I'm wearing pants.
0: This is the
1: first interview I've done with real pants on in a long time.
0: Wow. You guys got all dressed up for me. what does a typical day look like for you guys
2: now or now yeah I have a one-year-old um and I'm renovating a house so it's uh you know a lot of chasing a little rug rat around and touching walls with tools and then the walls bust open and then I have to get another tool to fix the thing that I touch with one tool and then the occasional uh zoom chat.
0: Yeah.
2: But it's pretty it's pretty pretty domestic, which is how
1: I like it. I've always I've always liked that.
0: What about you, Jesse?
1: Well, this is the winter I am a farmer and there's nothing to do so much in the wintertime. So I plan all my like home renovation projects, or even if it's something simple, simple like refinishing a table or whatever, it's all planned for the winter. So I've been waiting and it's weird for me to be inside. Actually, one of my daughters mentioned that on the weekend, she's like, it's strange that we're inside so much. I'm like, yeah, it's just, it's just winter. Cause normally I spend all day outside and so I'm just sort of enjoying fixing my house and attending to all these things that I haven't, but I don't know, just do normal stuff. I played, uh, I played a bunch of our songs on the bass today. Unlike Sebastian, I have played the bass within the last year or in the last 12 hours. Well, if and- it's any consolation,
2: I've, I've probably uh, sung, sang, I probably sung more, sang, sung more, this year than I've sung in my entire life. That's nice. Just because there's a baby, there's a baby around, you know, like the baby likes singing. She likes music. And there's someone that I've got an audio, captive audience, you know, <laughs>
0: <laughs> your next album will be lullabies.
2: Yeah. Well, yeah. If our set at a uh, life is beautiful might be, me tr- attempting Nessun Dorma by Pavarotti for 45 minutes, you know, <laughs> failing every time, but just trying and trying and trying.
0: And then a little kissing <laughs> and then <laughs> Yeah, trying. This
1: actually sounds like a pretty great performance. <laughs> I-,
2: I mean, I don't know why we bother doing any doing anything other than that.
0: <laughs> Would you guys rather watch a music documentary or stand up comedy special?
1: We, i think it, it depends, depends on, which one yeah it depends on the it depends on the musicians and it depends on the comedian but
2: the, the the great thing about you know our time is that you don't have to make that choice you just you can watch <laughs> two minutes of something and you know it's going to be good or it's going to suck and you just turn it off and go to the next thing
0: do you know of a good uh, music documentary that you've watched recently
2: Oh, I haven't watched a music doc in a long time, but I love the, I love the classic albums series. I don't know if you know those ones, but they're the, they do like dark side of the moon and, uh, and like an Elton John record and a Metallica black record. And they are these, they're not VH1. It's like this independent producer that made all these records, you know, Ner- nevermind Joshua tree the, like, you know, the hugest, biggest records. Um, and it's usually uh Transformer by Lou Reed. It's usually the you know kind of talking heads, producers, engineers, and the artists talking about kind of reminiscing and then bringing up multi tracks. And it's you know maybe a forty-five minute kind of like our kissing session, but forty-five minutes. But I love those. I'll watch them all the time. I'll rewatch them anytime. I like the more technical stuff. I don't. I don't need the like the dramatic arc. You know, I don't need that. I don't need to know about their lives. Really, doesn't matter.
1: I'm going to I throw a big curve, a curveball, curveball yeah. into this discussion. Please the do Bret, the, the Brett the Hitman Heart documentary. Uh huh. Oh yeah, I, I've heard that's, that's quite good. That's an amazing documentary because it it ends up being about something way bigger than wrestling. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like him dealing with this character that he became. Like he was the most famous person in Canada for a while. You know, uh-huh. like in just in terms of numbers and whatever like he's this gigantic star but he's just like this guy from a small town and all the drama and everything that he dealt with and uh yeah no that was that was surprising and there's actually a series called a uh, dark side of the ring that's all documentaries about stuff that happened like i'm not the biggest wrestling fan but i i enjoy the spectacle and uh that some of that stuff isn't just insane you know when you so that's find
2: it like that's like a mix of a of a of a music documentary and stand-up comedy right there.
1: Because <laughs> yeah. so, there's an app, there's the, the thing I think that I find interesting is that you're, it's that on stage, it's the, the public persona and then there's the stuff uh, behind that and all, you know, and even just like the frustration and, and the road that pe- these people took to get to whatever they were doing. Mm-hmm. It's, uh it's really crazy. Also, the some of the stuff of those people like, you know, like people fighting with broken necks in some cases there's like hardly any people there you know especially in those early years it's way more interesting than uh than you think and i have like a completely newfound respect for all those people like it's it's a huge job like they're killing themselves and they have to create this whole persona and keep it up they're like it's like they're they're actors writing their own lines and also being athletes and stunt and like stunt people all at the same time. It's nuts.
0: My younger brother was not a professional wrestler. Like he didn't work for WWE or anything, but he did circuits and local circuits and stuff. And he would call me because he would just have to stay awake because he got a concussion. So he would be like, I just need you to keep me awake for a little while. (laughs) I was like, please stop wrestling.
2: Wow, yeah. Did Did he ever wrestle at First Avenue in Minneapolis?
0: Uh, not at First Avenue, but lots of places in Minneapolis.
2: We used to play uh the seventh street entry, and one time we were playing there, and there was uh there was wrestling in the main room
0: yeah
2: <laughs> like i I went to go check out where Prince did his thing, <laughs> like yeah. this
0: is
2: not exactly what Prince was doing, but it's close <laughs> leotards, you know yeah. <laughs> Panther type.
0: do you have a favorite band
2: t shirt I have a uh the only band t- shirt that I wear. I have two band t-shirts that I wear. One of them is a Turbo Wolf shirt, a Turbo Wolf for a UK band, some good friends of ours, that I've cut into a sleeveless top for jogging and looking cool. And then uh, I have a a television Marky Moon shirt that I bought at the Marky Moon show in Los Angeles a few years ago. And I wore that on tour one time. And Debbie Harry and... I forget who she was with. It wasn't what's his face, but it was someone else from Blondie, I think, said,
1: hey, cool shirt. <laughs> I thought you were going to say your Sinead O'Connor shirt that you used to wear all the time. Oh, uh, yeah. No,
2: that's, I don't really consider that a band shirt. Well, she was she great. No, she is great.
0: Thank you guys so much for taking the time to talk to me today.
2: Thank you. Thanks for having us.